Our gospel reading tonight comes from the 22nd chapter of Luke. Please stand. Now the festival of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was near. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put Jesus to death, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and the officers of the temple police about how he might betray Jesus to them. They were greatly pleased and agreed to give him money, so he consented and began to look for an opportunity to betray him to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. They asked him, where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me. And his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'll never forget my very first Holy Communion. I, along with several of my other classmates in Sunday school that year, got to go up to the communion rail before anyone else. Now, the congregation that I grew up in um, is probably about a quarter of the size of this sanctuary, so uh, very tiny, not a whole lot of people, but we still got to go up before anyone else. 
And I remember kneeling at that communion rail and gladly taking that piece of bread, but at the same time also being a little hesitant to drink the wine for the first time because, as you may know, when you take, drink that wine for the first time at the ripe old age of eight, you make the face. I'm sure you're familiar with the face. It kind of goes something like that. So there I was, nevertheless, at the communion rail, kneeling before the altar, eating the bread and making the face, and listening to those words that we hear every single week. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Now, at that age, I certainly didn't really know what those words meant, and truth be told, for many years following, I didn't really know what those words meant either. Of course, I took the communion class at church and uh, made sure that I was properly prepared and received the certificate that really allowed me to take communion, just like the rest of my family. But nevertheless, those words that I would hear didn't really mean anything. And I mean, what, what could they really mean, right? And I mean, how could it really be for me? I mean, let's be real. You say that to everyone who receives bread and blood. So how, how could it possibly be for me when it's also for you and for everyone else? What, what could that possibly mean? And so I simply just began to take advantage of the whole thing. I'd go through the motions and eat the bread and drink the wine and uh, make the cross. And uh, then I go back to my pew and think, okay, that was good. I know it's important. So let's go on with our lives. Well, tonight, we're going to hear those same words again, and we'll taste the wine and the bread again, but on this night, it all seems to have a slightly different meaning. On this night, those words and the taste of that bread and wine are not in the midst of celebration. They're not surrounded by our comfort of a Sunday morning worship are not overlooked as the thing we do because our grandparents did it. No, on this night, it is simply not business as usual. In the narrative of our Lord Jesus, we find him in the upper room of a house in Jerusalem, eating the Passover meal with his friends, the disciples. Now, the Passover meal is one of celebration. It is a time for Jews to retell the story of the Exodus and their freedom from slavery. The meal itself includes drinking a lot of wine and eating some symbolic foods. It includes singing songs and retelling the entire story of the Exodus. It is a tradition that has been handed down through the generations of Jewish families who have proceeded from the ancient Israelites. So it was as familiar, it is as familiar to the Jews today as it was to the disciples on that night. But Jesus, Jesus had other plans for this Passover meal. Jesus knew what was coming in the following hours in the face of bitter betrayal and a gruesome death. But even in the face of all of that, Jesus decided that that was the night to teach the disciples one final lesson. See, while the washing of the disciples' feet was certainly helpful for the disciples to understand and to better see how Jesus solidified his identity and servanthood, it's actually the bread and the wine of that last supper where Jesus' true act of servanthood is realized. See, the bread and the wine 
are the symbols of the new covenant between God and all of creation. They are the symbol of the new relationship that we are all welcomed into through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Through this death and resurrection, the love and the grace of God flows into creation without inhibition. No sin, no word, no action, not even death itself can stop the love and grace of God from flowing into our very souls. And we receive this in the bread and the wine. For when we taste the bread and the wine and we hear those words which accompany them, we are reminded of this covenant God has made with us. We are reminded that we are a child of God, beloved and called in our baptism to be a member of the family of God. This meal that we share together is for you. And it's for all of you and for our neighbors and for those far away. The broken body and the shed blood of Christ are given and poured for you no matter who you are. The sacrifice of Christ and the sharing of this meal are proof that we are all claimed by God, and because of this, we are then united with anyone who has also taken part in this holy meal, and yes, even with those who haven't. Since that night in the upper room, the Lord's Supper has become a unifying symbol of the followers of Christ. Yes, our worship may look different, and yes, our songs may sound different from each other and from those around the world, but this meal, this meal is shared by all. It's a meal that has been passed down from generation to generation and from generation to generations around the world. It is a symbol of who and whose we are. Together with the saints of heaven and the people of earth, we can say in one voice that we are followers of Christ and children of love and grace from the God who created everything. Because of this, as one body of Christ, when one person can rejoice, we can all rejoice But when one person suffers, we too are struck by what ails them. We feel the pain of the families of the 45 people who were killed and the 100 more who were injured after bombs rang out in Coptic churches in Tanta and Alexandria, Egypt, during Palm Sunday processions this past Sunday. We feel the pain of people of poverty who go unnoticed, or are told that they are worthless. We feel the pain of our own sisters and brothers who are rejected from the fellowship of the church because complacency and fear abound and foster an environment of ignorance and hatred. We too must feel their pain, for we are bound to them and they are bound to us because of this meal because of what we all share together in this meal. They are children of God just as we are children of God. The young, the old, the wealthy, the poor, white, black, gay, straight, American, Canadian, Mexican, Syrian, Egyptian, it doesn't matter. All people all around the world are beloved children of God, and we are all united because of the ultimate price of servanthood given to us through Jesus Christ on the night that he was to be betrayed by a friend. 
Yesterday, as I was perusing my Facebook feed, a friend of mine posted a video of a commercial. Now, I don't usually watch commercials in general, let alone intentionally from someone posting it on Facebook, but this one, this one caught my attention. The commercial began with a woman on a very crowded elevator, so surrounded by people, and they're all on their phones, not looking at each other, all just buried in their phones. And she's just kind of looking around and, and kind of curious, and the door is open, and she watches as the people still on their phones walk down the hallway and into their apartments. So she gets off the elevator and goes up to her door and walks into her door and is excited to see her roommate until she realizes that her roommate too, has headphones on and is buried in her computer screen. In frustration, she takes her bags and throws them on the ground and glares at her roommate. Now the scene quickly flips back out into this empty hallway and all of a sudden the door opens and the same woman, we see her dragging her dining room table out into the hallway and her roommate follows with chairs and they put a tablecloth on the table and they set up their dinner and they sit down in this very narrow, very dimly lit hallway with their fork and knife in hand and they wait. And they wait. And they wait. Suddenly those elevator doors open up again and a family steps out, all of them, including the kids, all on their cell phones. Texting, playing games, whatever it might be. And they go to walk down this hallway and they stop dead in their tracks because there are these two women sitting at a kitchen table just waiting for someone to join them. So this family sits down with their dinner at this, at this table and they start laughing and joking and talking and uh, suddenly more people start opening their doors and curiosity as they hear the noise and they too bring out their dining room tables and they bring out their dinners and they set them up and they're eating together and next thing you know, the entire hallway is all sitting together, eating dinner together with not an electronic device to be found. It was all of them, black and white, a Muslim woman, young and old, sitting down together and eating a meal. Now, what originally caught my attention was not the fact that someone shared a video on Facebook, even though I love watching videos on Facebook. And it certainly wasn't the image that accompanied the video, and it definitely wasn't the status that was with it either. No, in fact, it was the headline that was a part of the video itself that had two simple words. Eat together. Eat together. When I saw this video yesterday morning, I thought to myself, could there be any more perfect representation of what Holy Communion is for us? We all have our differences. We all have our differences. And we all know that the world is far too ready to not only name and claim those differences for us, but then to throw them back at us as something that we should be ashamed of, something that we should divide ourselves from. But when we come to this table, when people all around the world come to their altar tables, differences don't matter. They're not something to divide us. They're not something that we should reject each other for. No, instead God says, I welcome your diversity because I created you special and unique. I created you 
and you are welcome at my table in all of your wonderful, beautiful diversity. You see, this meal that we share together is the representation of perfect love and justice from God. It is that foretaste of what the kingdom of God is like, where we can be ourselves and we're not judged for it and we're not shamed for it, but instead we kneel down together and with one voice we say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And let's eat together. At the end of the Passover meal, Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus wasn't merely talking about washing each other's feet. Jesus meant giving of one's life for another, being a servant for the sake of the other, allowing your whole being to be an instrument of God's love and peace and justice in this world, to just simply be together. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice so that we may receive this amazing and perfect love of God that we can then take out into the world and give it to all those who need it most. We are daily fed by the greatest servant of all, and we must go and do likewise. All this Jesus did for us on the cross. And this is what we remember every time we eat the bread and we drink from the cup and we hear those familiar, precious, dear words. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. All glory and honor be yours this night and always, O God, our creator, our Savior, and our Sustainer. Amen.